Welcome to As A Creator, the podcast that dives deep into the minds and stories of the top content creators on TikTok and Instagram. I'm your host, Charlotte Tricartan. I'm a TikTok creator and owner of Char Charms Water Bottle Accessories, and I'm thrilled to be here with you. Today, we're talking to Alice Trell, also known as at Alice Trell on Instagram. She has over 300,000 followers and is an OG in the fitness influencer game because she started back in 2017. I heard of her because we both went to the University of Illinois and we bumped paths a few times. And now I'm excited to have her on the show. In today's episode, we talk about how she started on Instagram in the early days of being a fitness influencer, how she strategizes her content while working a full-time job at Google, and how she works with an agency to get the best brand deals. Now, before we get started, I wanna say thank you to our sponsor, Char Charms. If you own a water bottle, Char Charms will make hydration fun. Shop water bottle accessories at charcharms.com. Now let's get started. Welcome Alice to As A Creator. It's so great to have you on. Thanks so much for having me, Charlotte. I'm excited to chat. Yeah, me too. So for everyone listening, Alice and I didn't actually like know each other from U of I, but I heard of her when I was at U of I. So like we go way back to the fitness days um, and it was so funny. Like the reason I've been following Alice is because when I was a bodybuilder in 2017 and 2018 at U of I, my other bodybuilder friends were like, oh my gosh, you have to follow Alice on Instagram. Like she's this huge content creator. And of course now here we are today um, and I'm super excited to be talking to her and I've followed her this whole time. So it's been really cool to see Alice grow on TikTok or on Instagram. I know that's your main uh, platform, but we're going to dive into everything content creation, everything social media strategy, uh, monetization, influencer, that whole thing. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So Alice, awesome to have you on. Likewise, this is a really cool, uh, full circle moment. So, so thankful that you brought me on and really excited to get started. Of course. So Alice, why don't we start with you know, how long ago did you actually start on social media and why did you even start? What did that beginning part look like? Yeah, so I actually started my page in my junior year of college. So while I was at U of I, a little bit before your time there, but um, it all started between classes where I just needed an outlet. I previously did long distance running and cross country in high school. So I wanted to find a way to kind of get out of the rut of like losing weight and kind of shrinking myself. And I wanted to feel more of like a mental health outlet of like, how do I strengthen my body and my mind? Like what is something that I could work towards, work towards for as a goal? Um, so I started going into weightlifting, met a bunch of people like within the basement of the arc, which is like that central gym at university of Illinois. So for those who don't know, but I just started to post my workouts, um, on Instagram. So this was around like 2018, 2019, where the app was very different. It was like still very much about hashtags, like posting every day, like commenting on different creators pages. But, um, I just started to, you know, share what I ate what I worked out on, like my different gym fits, things like that on a daily basis. And slowly but surely that started to grow my page. So it's been about five to six years now of running and the app has changed so much, especially since COVID. So it's been a wild ride. Wow. That's awesome. So you just started like, because you wanted to share, like you just wanted to have a fitness account and post about it. What did the growth look like initially for you? Yeah, I would say initially it was around probably five to 600 followers per week, just because I was putting content out probably on a daily basis. I think of course around finals and when school gets crazy and I was also working part-time at the time, um, I didn't have as much time to like dedicate towards like 
bettering my craft. So I just kept putting stuff out there. And I realized like that was the key to growing the page is just not really focusing on perfection, but more so consistency. Um, so mm-hmm. I like, found like a, a winning formula in my workout videos that worked where I was just sharing the exact workout that was copy and paste. that was easy for people to save or like share in their own pages or their stories. Um, and it just grew from there. So I think now at this point, it's around like a thousand to like a thousand five hundred followers per week or every two weeks but um the consistency piece has helped a lot and i was able to connect with um fitness creators or like lifestyle creators like back in the days like before they like they themselves got bigger and like had their own brand partner sponsorships so i really learned a lot from like just learning and trialing things out and talking to other creators who wanted the same things at the time. Do you remember when you hit like your first 10k followers and you were like oh my god like what did that feel like? I was at Red Lion, which again, for those who don't know, is like a <laughs> big bar on campus, but I hit 10K there um, and I was celebrating with my friends because at the time I was like, there's no way that 10,000 people want to follow me and like what I do. But I think it just came from just being as relatable as possible and talking about like the mental health aspect of it and mindset. And I think that really struck a chord with audiences who also struggled with like the barriers of gym confidence or like even just starting weightlifting, which can be really intimidating. Especially, I think for us women, like there's a lot of stigma around it, or at least at the time there still was. Um, so I, I was celebrating, like it was awesome. And then I remember like a year later, I hit 100K and then a year and a half, 200K and it just grew from there. So it's, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster. That is so funny. Oh my God. I can't believe you were at Red Line. <laughs> That's awesome. With your social media and the virality and the growth of all of it, you know, have you noticed any, I know this is like a, a very right off the bat question, but with that sort of growth over five years, like you can definitely notice when you have plateaus in your growth. Um, and wh- I want to know, like, what did that growth look like for you? Right. I mean, you got to 10 K pretty quickly and then hundred K and 200 K. So was that like a linear up and down sort of thing? Or was it, has it been, you know, all over the place? What did that look like? Yeah, I would say interestingly enough, I actually plateaued like when most people grew. So around like quarantine, mid 2020, I honestly fell into like a pretty big rut because I was very busy with work. Like my nine to five was a sales job. So I was constantly on my computer, like working for a corporation, but not so much like my content anymore. Like I had more free time in college. So my growth definitely stagnated. So once Reels came out, um, which is now already three years ago. It just it sounds crazy to say, but that really pushed me to kind of really rethink about how I was doing static content versus content that was more engaging um, and kind of spark more ideas and inspiration with people. So um, I didn't really grow that much for the first half of 2020. And then, you know, once I had more free time around the weekends to start batching content and really like thinking about, okay, like what are other creators doing that's working well? Like how can I redefine my page, kind of move away from like more like mindset or like quotes to like things that are like yeah. easy to follow and like easy to share. Then I really started to see like that spark come live again within my page and like more people looking at it, more brands reaching out saying, Hey, like we like what you're doing. It's consistent. You know, we'd love to like, work with you. So yeah, I think like the, the most, the biggest learning part, like the biggest thing I learned in that area is just to stay consistent um, and just keep at it. Cause sometimes the growth will not come. And the most important part as a creator is just to keep on doing your thing and like putting a positive message out there and engage with people. And those people will continue to come back if that's what they want to do. 
Yeah, and evolving with the platforms. And that's exactly what you had to do from carousels and just normal posts to then reels. And I would say reels probably take a little bit more time to edit, right? Because it's video content, you have to clip it all together. So in your content creation strategy right now, like let's kind of dive into that and talk about what that actually looks like for you on a week to week basis. So let's start broad. How long every week, like how much time do you put into content creation, would you say? So in terms of like posting, maybe like an hour a day or so, like posting and engaging with my audience, but in terms of actually creating content, be at least a couple hours a week. I found that especially someone who's working a nine to five. So I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm changing my desk for a little bit during the, you know, the daytime hours where a lot of people have the freedom to go outside and post stuff. I really use my free time after work or in the weekends to batch content. So that's taking a lot of long form videos while I'm working out and kind of following around like what I eat during the day. So like posting like protein oatmeal in the morning or um, something that's more motivational and then slicing and dicing that with like uh, apps like CapCut, for example, or Lightroom, where it makes it super easy now, thankfully, versus a few years ago, um, to like mesh videos together and create something that's five to 10 seconds and then quickly upload it on Instagram. So um, a lot of it is trial and error, but I find that the key is to have as much content filming as much as possible. So just following me around during the day and then kind of slicing the bits and pieces that I think would be a good hook or really inspire people or educate people um, on my page that follow me. That's a lot of dedication to video content. I mean, if you're just videoing yourself every day, I remember when I tried to do a day in the life video, Alice, I tried to do day in life videos probably 10 times already. And I fail every time because then I forget. I'll like maybe do the first morning and then I'm like, oh shoot, I forgot to film my breakfast. I may as well just stop for the rest of the day. And like, you really have to dedicate yourself to filming content throughout the day. What is your, do you have a trick to that? Do you just keep an, your iPhone on a tripod all the time? Like, how do you do that? Definitely feels weird carrying around a tripod, especially in the gym. Cause like I work, I like work out at a public gym. So I don't want to be that, that girl who's like, oh yeah, here's her tripod. Like give her space, you know, with the big ring light. Um, but honestly, sometimes it's just like propping it up on a ledge or like I have a, like a mini tripod that I use when I'm making my breakfast at home or at work. Um, or even just using a water bottle. Like just getting creative with different angles and finding what works best from a video aspect. I think especially in fitness, that's the pro of like the niche is that you can kind of play around with different angles and you don't necessarily have to talk for a video to do well. So I think that gives me more freedom to follow my, myself throughout the day. But uh, I think a lot of it was just also getting comfortable and uh, staying accountable on it. It was definitely weird, like, you know, having my phone in the background all the time or like throughout the day. Yeah. I think that really pressured me to say like, okay, like what does my ideal day look like? Like how realistic do I want to be or how much like aesthetics do I want to push out? Mm -hmm. Um, And also like help me stay accountable from a nutritional standpoint as well. Like I I love my goldfish. I love my cheeses. I love like all the, (laughs) I still snack on them, but I think like that also was the extra push that I used internally to say, okay, like this is going to help me stay accountable for myself um, and also help me from a content standpoint. So that was more motivation there. How do you come up with your content? Because you have viral videos every video on Instagram. I mean, you've got 100,000 views, you have 300,000 views. I mean, every video is popping off. So like, what's your strategy with creating content? Yeah, I think a lot of it is looking at what creators are doing and not necessarily copying them, but just getting more inspiration and ideas and then kind of putting my own spin on it. I will say that I think like my content is taking more of like an aesthetic or like a more like lifestyle turn. So it's more so like following like what I do in the gym or like how am I dressing up for work in the morning or like setting my bag up. So it's like little like sneak peeks of the day, which I feel like 
I don't see as much on Instagram. So I'm just trying to find a little bits and pieces that I don't see as many creators touch on, but maybe steal a few ideas, like a trending sound, for example, taking that, putting it into, you know, like a split up gym workout that I did after work that I, someone else could do in 30 minutes and then putting a caption yeah. that like a problem statement of like, Hey, like, do you only have 25 minutes to work out? Well, this is what you can do follow it. And then of course, like a call to action afterwards, like share. So um, I'm just trying to find ways to help people. I think that's like the root of like all of my videos, like, will this help someone if I were like someone who's 25 years old, who's working strapped for time has no motivation. Like if I watch this video, like what I feel inclined to follow her or like what I feel like, oh my gosh, okay, this helped me like I can follow this. That's usually like what's in yeah. the back of my mind is like, okay, this could resonate well. Yeah. And with your trending audios, do you use a trending audio every time? What do you choose for your captions? What about hashtags? I know like these are all things that creators right now are thinking about. Like, how do I do this? What do I do for that? What do you recommend for all of that? Yeah, I think I'll start with captions. I think captions back in the day in like 2018, 2019, that's very different. People used to take like 30, 40 captions and I'm not sorry, not captions that uh, uh, hashtags and like throw them on a video or a post and that did well because um, there was eyes to like people were spending time in hashtags um, on Instagram I think now it's around like eight or nine hashtags to really like uh, categorize your your content I mean keeping them broad too you don't want to say too specific because sometimes that can shrink your audience a little bit so having a mix of like let's say 50% like hashtag fitness hashtag you know leg day and then something that's more specific to like your geo like Chicago fitness or like Austin you know mm -hmm. But something that someone who's looking up, like let's say a gym or a trainer in their city, they're going to find you immediately um, if your video does well. Um, in terms of captions, I used to have really long captions, like back in the day, like they're very long. It was almost like my personal diary. And I realized like no one's <laughs> like we all have shorter well, and shorter attention spans. <laughs> do you think that's why you grew, though, because you had really long captions? I think originally people resonated with like the personal side of it of like, hey, let me share like my my personal flaws and my struggles. And I think people like that authentic side. And I think now with the rise of TikTok and then like, you know, threads and like all the new stuff that's just popping out on a weekly basis now, our attention span is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. So um, I'm keeping them snappy. Like I want to start with a problem statement in my captions or like a question and then a call to action. I'm sandwiched with a workout plan, for example, or something that's like quick and inspiring or something that I felt um, could help someone with a positive message. So that's usually how I structure my captions. And I'm not going to lie, sometimes like I'll take captions that did well half a year ago, or maybe three months ago, and just slightly tweak it, and then repost that. And it saves me a lot of time as a creator, because I can see like what's doing well with my audience, like, and it's going to bring back or like bring like new types of users who would resonate with the same type of message. Um, forgot the last part of your question there, but I feel like that's trending that's been... audios. Yeah. So trending audios, I would say, you know, it's sometimes counterintuitive because sometimes you would want to think like, okay, I'm going to take the most viral audio right now and put my video on it. But sometimes that's already has so many videos and that's your content could get bogged down. So I tend to go for audio that's kind of up and coming where I'm seeing more and more creators. Maybe there's like two or three really viral videos at the top. Um, but maybe not necessarily as many like reshares or views of so, like under a thousand or like a couple hundred. Mm. Um, and I'm using those and I'll kind of. How do you, how do you find those on Instagram? Because you're, mo you're mostly on Instagram, right? 
Mostly on Instagram. Yeah, I would say honestly, like lurking within like the explore page, lurking within the reels page. I also follow some pages like there's creators who their own content is to solely share like trending audio, which is really cool. Yeah. That's what they do. So I'd honestly say like, like keeping tabs on the pulse, like what's what's trending and maybe cross checking with TikTok to see like, okay, is that blowing up on TikTok already? All right. Well, that makes sense to put it on Instagram in that case. I think like looking at a variety of different outlets like that has helped me like stay atop the the audio game. But it's always changing. Yeah. Of course. I use Trend Talk for TikTok audio sounds, but like they don't have that for Instagram yet. And I found a really big issue with like finding trending sounds on Instagram. Like it's a lot harder to see if a sound is trending and also like if it's even going to work for your niche, I don't know. I just think like trend TikTok or Instagram audios are like all over the place. I don't know if, if you have an opinion on that. It definitely is. And it's funny because sometimes there's original audio. There's audio that's clearly stolen from TikTok. So I think like the, I usually just look at the content and like, okay, who's using this? Like if there's workout videos already blowing up, but it's not yet like fully saturated, then I'll, that would be like my golden audio to use that day or that particular uh, week. And then how many videos a day or week do you post as of right now while working your nine to five job? Because that's a lot to balance. It's it definitely, I would say right now I'm posting an average of three to four reels. Um, and then I'm mixing it up with carousels or static posts. Um, I do like, because I, I work on the, in the business space, I work at Google um, full-time outside of my content. So I'm, I'm hearing all the time about like the ad tech space, what Meta is doing, Instagram. So I'd like to stay on top of um, how their algorithm is changing. And I've noticed that the key right now is mixing up both of those forms of content, not necessarily putting all your eggs into one basket with reels or static images, but more so a mix of both and using all the features that they have to offer that more likely pushes mm. your content down, especially from a story basis. So that's been working mm. for me so far. Obviously, there's going to be some weeks where it's all in into my Google work or like all into like personal things that come up and I don't have as much time to post, but I do my best to at least stay consistent as possible. And if it falls down to one or two videos, then I'll at least have the same type of content. So it makes sense for my audience. Is that how you and Ken met at Google? We actually met at a creator event. Uh, about two months ago in April. So there's a um, an influencer agency called Socialite Media, and they do like a woman in business event every single year. So that's how we met. Um, but I think like that's another thing too, is that like there's so many creators in Chicago specifically, or even around the country. So like a really great thing to do if you're a creator is just network as much as possible. Yeah. Last year I showed up by myself and I didn't know anybody and I walked away with like three friends. Um, yeah, so I of course. Really learn from like how people are doing things and like, get on their good side, like just be, you know, be a helpful person, offer value. And they obviously share their trade secrets as well, you know, as you build personal relationships with them. So I think that's been a really cool side of like being a creator is just being able to bump shoulders with with people like that. And for people who didn't listen to episode five, I interviewed Alice's boyfriend, Ken, um, and he also worked at Google. So that's why I asked yeah. if that's where they met. He's a few so years, Alice, years all over than me. So we, we missed the boat on that one. But yeah. <laughs> That's okay. You guys are super cute. Um, well, I want to talk a little bit about your monetization and like yourself yeah. as an influencer and kind of dive into that because that is where everyone has questions now. Like they want to know how are businesses working with influencers? How are they doing UGC? So from your side and as you being like a fitness influencer, you know, I would love to hear about what was your first brand deal like? What did that look like? Yeah, so my very first brand deal was with One Up Nutrition. Um, so they're a supplement brand in the fitness space. 
Um, I think they're a, a little bit bigger back in 2018 or 2019, but I actually reached out to them myself. Um, I had a creator friend who was like an athlete for them. So I said, Hey, like, can I get the information of their influencer management? Reach out to them. I said, Hey, like, I'd love to just be an ambassador. I wanted free supplements. I was a college student. So it was unpaid. Yeah. I think I made commission at the time. It was like 20% for sale, but that was technically my first brand deal. And that really got my feet wet into the world of like what contracts look like, like what brands really give and take with influencers. And then also like, what's the balance of making sure that you're paying yourself not for the work and not working for free as well. Because a lot of creators start out where mm-hmm. you want free products, right? It's really cool. It's really fun and exciting. And then as you work your way up and you kind of build a consistent personal brand, it's more and more important to make sure that you're safeguarding yourself to understand like what, you know, what are you getting from the brand as well? Like, are they using your image rights? Um, you know, are you getting compensated fairly? So um, I mm-hmm. started to build my own like personal CRM, like literally in Excel, like all these different influencer managers and like brands like I reached out to them and just did cold outreach for a good two years last year I was approached by an agency who works with some big TikTok creators and some people in the entertainment industry and so now they outsource that for myself so they have my own media rate card and kind of pitched me to different brands that they already built relationships with but at the end of the day I get it's definitely like a, a learning process. And I think it's it's weird because a lot of influencers don't want to talk about how much they make or like what brands that they work with in that world. But it's so important that we all um, help each other learn. Yeah, absolutely. So you did cold outreach for two years. Did you get anything out of that? I, well, I got like product for post type of, you know, type of okay. deal. And I think like in a way you almost have to do that like pro bono type of work because mm-hmm. it gets your, your name out there. You start building relationships um, and then once I got more comfortable, I started charging a rate of like, let's say like starting with a couple hundred dollars and then working my way up to a thousand and then a two and 2000 and then making sure that I'm providing enough value or like a long-term partnership where it makes sense for the brand. But I think a lot of times brands want to see like what your content looks like first and then how it performs. Yeah. Just maybe you're a smaller creator and you're just starting out. Yeah. So is that the biggest tip that you would give to influencers? Cause that's what I say. Like if you are a new influencer and you're just starting, like, girl, I need to see that you've worked with brands before I'm going to send you some charge arms. Like it doesn't work that way. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I think it's almost like if you're like a model, for example, right? Like you're going to have your portfolio and you're like, Hey, these are the brands that I worked with. Like, this is what my content looks like. And I think it's pretty important for at least the first year or so, you know, if you want to do content creation long time is to build up that brand because then you have all of that work that's literally housed in your page. So let's say you're a marketing manager for Alphaly or like Gymshark, they were going to go to your page and say, okay, like she has that history of working with these brand relationships. They went well. Um, I feel like that's what a lot of marketing managers lately want to see. Yeah, absolutely. And when that agency reached out to you, how did you decide that you wanted to work with them? Like, were there others that you were considering? Why was the offer, you know, what kind of offer are they giving you? And you don't have to disclose, you know, payment or anything, but like, what makes you want to be like, yes, it's time for me to work with an agency? Yeah. So I will say, I think one of the plus sides is that you have a professional team representing you. So like when you start out as an, like an influencer, I kind of hate that word, maybe content creator, um, you're representing yourself. And a lot of times the mail, the emails were coming from you and then directly to you. And first of all, that can kind of cause a privacy risk, right? Because then you're posting like your direct content information on your page. Sometimes you get a lot of spam. 
Um, second of all, like a lot of brands I noticed in the past, like unfortunately, like because they knew they were directly working with me, I had less negotiating power from like a compensation standpoint. And I also didn't have like a legal team to review the contracts. So I didn't really know what I was getting myself into when I was looking through these long docu-signs. I didn't have the time between classes or like in work to like read all the legal rights and like the image rights. So I just signed away and I said, this is awesome. Like I'm getting supplements, but I didn't necessarily like realize what I was signing myself up for. Um, so with an agency, they kind of do that, all that work for you. So someone who's working you know, like a full-time job, it's really nice to not have to spend the extra few hours to pitch myself to kind of build up a personal CRM. They're going forward and pitching my name out there. Um, I felt like they had a very authentic approach and I like the other creators. They're specifically focused on the fitness space as well. So I felt like I could, I could work with them long-term. Um, and they also said like, Hey, like we have really great relationships with these brands that are your considered your dream brands. Um, so we'd love to like pitch you to these people that we built relationships with. And they also do like a monthly coaching call as well to say like, hey, these are your analytics. Like this is your target audiences or like your affinity audiences. Like, what do you think about it? Where do you see your page growing? So I felt like it was mm-hmm. a pretty value trade. And was that the first one that approached you? That was the first one that approached me. Yeah, previously I just represented myself because I thought like, I don't really need, you know, an agency. But the more I thought about it, even though they do take a percentage cut of every single like brand sponsorship, for example, or partnership, it is so nice to have like a team to fall back on that you can just quickly call or text that let's say something goes wrong in a brand. Um, you deliver all of the content, but a brand doesn't pay you. They at least have the legal team to kind of stand up for you and protect yourself as a content creator to make yeah. sure like, okay, let's make sure this doesn't happen again or like protect Alice's personal brand, so on and so forth, which you're representing right. a little bit tougher. So. Did you ever get screwed over in a matter of like not getting paid or like the deal not being what you thought it was? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's happened to me probably like more than a handful of times. So from a range of, let's say, like uh, athletic wear to supplements to like coffee brands. Um, And that's the most important thing is just making sure that like there's a contract in place or stuff in writing. But there's some times where I posted stuff or like I had a real like last year, for example, it was with a coffee brand and then they ended up not paying. They just ghosted me. And this was before the agency stepped in. Um, so the content was on my page and it did well, but then unfortunately I didn't get paid for the work I did. So it's, it's definitely like a, I think the most important thing is to talk to as many creators as possible and like network and really understand like, how are you guys working through this? Like, that's why I love the idea yeah. of too, because I think it unlifts the veil of like the, the vagueness around like, how are we actually getting paid here? Like, how are we doing this? Right. So do you normally get paid after you post? Is that like a standard thing? It is pretty standard. I say usually it's very unusual to get paid before. So usually it's on like a net 30 or even like a net 60 basis. So a lot of creators that like do collaborations with restaurants, for example, or athletic wear, they get paid the month after, um, after everything is done and after the deliverables are sent. Um, And with the agency, there's a few times where I do get paid beforehand, which is nice, but usually it's afterwards, which makes sense, right? Because they want to see how everything performs. Of course. Are you ever paid based on how things do perform or is it just like you have to post it and that's it? Yeah, I think it's a mix. Um, there's some brands that want to see how it, you know, how it performs and they do a commission basis. So it's kind of like tied directly to how many purchases you get, for example. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, I only, uh, you know, work with brands these days that do like a stack. Like, hey, as long as you post, it doesn't really matter in how it performs. Like we'll pay you for the work because there's a lot of time. Like, as you know, behind the scenes, like setting up the cameras, like shooting yeah. up with creation ideas. So, um, yeah, definitely to any creator out there who's listening to this, like that's definitely go in that direction if you can. 
sure. And also, like, there's a difference, though, between creating that content as UGC versus influencer for, like, you to post on yours. Do you have a preference of what you would rather do? Yeah, I think technically I do like influencer um, type of content. Um, I know UGC also works really well, but I do um, really like that, like, um, I can kind of screen and look at the brands that match my brand image um, mm-hmm. kind of look that way. I think I feel a little bit weird if, let's say, for example, like a greens company or some kind of like suspicious supplement company was using my image to promote a product that I don't necessarily use. So I like the fact that's mm-hmm. coming off authentic of like, hey, this is something I'm already working out with or using during my day. Now you can get a discount off of it. I think it kind of lands and it delivers a little bit more better than um, someone randomly seeing my face out there with a product that they know I'm not using, like a hoverboard. Or totally. I, I got a request for a hoverboard maybe a few months ago, and I was like, I'm, I'm really not using that. So <laughs> I'm not going to accept it. What What do you mean? You could show how you know you, you go through Chicago on a hoverboard. That's lifestyle. Come on out. <laughs> I feel like I just fall flat on my face, and then that's, I mean, maybe that's content right there. Like, let's watch Alice do a hoverboard to the gym. <laughs> I feel like that would be hilarious, but definitely not your style, <laughs> at least aesthetically on your feed. But who knows? I mean, but it, it definitely makes sense. Like you have to turn down some things, right? Like you can't say yes to everything. Not right. everything is going to fit your aesthetic on your feed. Uh, do you have a dream brand that you haven't gotten to work with yet that you want to? I would say Nike. Definitely. I haven't worked with Nike yet, um, but I think like just some one of those big brands that I just grew up like wearing all their clothes. And I think yeah, any brand that has just such an authentic and like grassroots like culture about it, like, hey, anyone can wear clothes, like anyone can start from ground zero. Um, there's definitely a dream brand of mine. Um, Gymshark used to be a dream brand of mine a few years back. So I was like over the moon when they reached out back in January of this year to start working together. But I think a lot of that came from just being super consistent like posting on content that I personally was proud of and then looking at creators and saying, okay, like how can I better myself and just focusing on that self-improvement, you know, on a weekly basis. Yeah. Do you think that growing followers has become easier as you've grown your follower base or has it been like consistently a grind? I would say it's consistently a grind. I'm not going to lie because once you get to a point, sometimes you get psyched out of like, okay, do I go back to the content I used to do? that like performed really well, or do I completely change things up and see how that performs? So I think mentally it's a lot tougher. Um, but of course, like when you, once the platform gets to a certain point where um, you kind of know what works well for your page, you know your audience, it definitely is easier to capture more of a similar audience. I think the most hard part is capturing a much different audience. Once you really have like your niche down, you know your content. So for example, for me to kind of segue to something that's more like solely on workout videos only and not using any static images and like using a different completely different type of caption that's going to be a big learning curve for me but that might acquire like brand new users that haven't seen my page yet so it's a bit of both yeah it's hard finding your niche and finding a good video that works for you is so hard and like this is so real because i've talked to so many people now already about content creation and like how they've grown their platforms and the ones that have grown the fastest are the ones that have found like a very single style video that really works for them. And yeah, like, definitely. I don't think that I've gotten there yet for Char Charms. I, would you say that you found like that one single style that like really works for you? I think in most recently, just especially since Reels came out, the really snappy, like five to 10 second videos that have something more like motivational or mindset based versus like, oh, hey, like get ready with me for the gym or here's my, you know, yeah. Day. 
that's tend to work a lot better on my page. But then of course, like you fall into the trap, right? Of like, you don't want your whole page to just be that if you personally enjoy different types of content. So I think that right. I found me well, but things are also always changing too. So I love like looking around and just seeing what other creators are using and what works for them. It's super interesting. Don't you think though, like I have this mindset of if someone follows you for a certain type of content, like they want to see that type of content. Have you ever thought that sort of mindset around your content? Because I think about that when I follow a certain creator, when I go to their page, let's say I discover a creator and on the For You page or Explore page, and I love their video that was on that page. And then I go to their profile. I want something to binge. Like I want that similar style of video in different formats to be able to scroll through for 10 minutes and binge those types of videos. So like I recently noticed that in myself. I saw yesterday I was on Reels and I was like, oh my God, like I'm literally doing this. And what it made me realize was like these creators that have 800,000 plus, a million plus followers, like they're sticking to one type of video, one style, right? Like different types, but one style of video. And I'm like, that really works. So I don't know, maybe you need to find like the one thing that is just like, that's what your followers want to continue to see on a consistent basis. Definitely. And I think it's trial and error too, right? But Mm -hmm. I think like in order to not fall into that trap also is making sure that you're building enough authenticity and telling your story and sharing the personal side of it. Because if it's just motivational stuff, right, Um, which does super well, but then they might not actually know you as a person. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please give the show a follow and a rating. Also follow as a creator on Instagram at as a creator. See you guys next week.